We have been speaking to you the last two weeks on the different Gospels. How many Gospels are they? Now, you have heard it said there's only one Gospel, never was but one Gospel, but we've shown you now for the last two weeks how there are more than one Gospel. And we have, we want to continue this morning on the Gospel of the Mystery. Now, this takes us back before David and uh, Abraham and Abram and Adam. This takes us back to God and his eternal purpose in grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. If you go with me to the second Timothy, Paul's epistle to Timothy, and in the second chapter, verse 9, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began? but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. How did I know this precious truth? Ah, but some faithful servant of God preached unto me one time and told me of this Christ and the secret there that Christ loved me, that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. But he said it's made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. How? Through the gospel. It was the, what gospel was it that he preached? Ah, oh, not that prophesied gospel, because he just told you in the ninth verse, it was before the world began. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. This wasn't made known in other ages. This was given unto the Apostle Paul. Now, if we go back to Colossians and in the first chapter, in the first chapter of the book of Colossians and in verses 6 and 7, here again he says, when, uh, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned it by Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Now I want you to notice in here again that Paul says in that sixth verse, which is come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit. Now this has been in all the world, as it come into all the world. Now you say there's no difference in the gospel? Well, we go back to the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you certainly would not challenge him 
For in Matthew the 24th chapter in the 14th verse, there our Lord said, And so this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Now, it's been over 1900 years since the Lord proclaimed that. But Paul said in his day, and there he says, which is coming to you. Well, let's take the fifth verse. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. What gospel? All this glorious gospel, which he tells us of the grace of God, the dispensation of the grace of God, which Paul speaks of in the third chapter of Ephesians, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. The dispensation. Now, there will not be one soul in eternity, but what will have to say, I was saved by the grace of God. Uh, every individual from Adam to the end of time will have to say, when they stand there before God in glory, they'll have to say it was by the grace of God. But let me repeat it over and over again, that there is a vast difference of grace in a dispensation and a whole dispensation of grace. And this is what was given unto the Apostle Paul. Now he tells you that this hope is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which is come unto you as it is in all the world. Well, Jesus said in the 24th chapter of Matthew when that gospel of the kingdom was preached into all the world for a witness to the nations the end would come. Well, it hasn't come yet. But Paul said that gospel that he uh, had was revealed to him had been known in all the world. It's coming as it is in all the world. There's certainly a difference here. Now I want you to turn with me to Colossians 2.14. And here again we read these words where he says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show with them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in food, or in meat or drink, are in respect of a holy day or a feast day, or of the new moon or of the Sabbath day, which were only shadows of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Oh, but this was not revealed in other ages. We see then that this mystery, this gospel of the mystery, it is not the gospel of the kingdom. Oh, how I, I, I just cannot understand today, and I've been preaching the gospel for over 45 years, yes, almost 50 years. I have been preaching this glorious gospel, and it's hard for me to believe that these precious saints of God, some mighty men of God, they have been used of God in a great way, and yet I can understand how they have overlooked this greatest message that was ever given unto men or angels, 
and try to bring that back with the gospel of the kingdom which the twelve were to preach in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, which all Christendom has acclaimed as the great commission to the body of Christ and how it could have been so misconstrued and misunderstood in the light of these scriptures that are so clearly set out by God himself and is outlined for the believers today. Yes, they are men of God, and yet I can't understand how they have overlooked this precious truth of the gospel of the mystery that was hid in God since the world began, but it was there before the world began in God, hid in God. Now I want you to notice that this glorious truth that would usher in a reign of grace. In Romans 5, 21, and there he tells you of a reign of grace. And he tells you how that, how that death reigned from Adam unto Moses. But now I go to that fifth chapter of the book of Romans, and in the 21st verse, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Could anything be greater than this? This uh, fifth chapter of Romans is the great grace chapter. In the first two verses we have the positional grace. And then we have verse, uh, we have verse 3, there is that powerful grace. And then we find here in the 8th, the 6th through the 8th verses, preserving grace. And in the 10th in the verse, we have that pacifying grace. And in the, uh, in the 12th verse, you have protective grace. And then we come unto that 17th and 18th verses, and that is the princely grace. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, if we dedicate and give our lives completely to him after we have been saved by the marvelous grace of God, and then we say unto him, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Oh, believe, beloved, we shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ, who is in us the hope of glory, and we commit our lives unto him, let me say again unto you, we'll be reigning in life, not in glory, but that is yet future. We'll be reigning with him in glory. But we can reign in this life if we let Christ reign in there and it comes by him. Then we find in that 20th verse of the 5th chapter of Romans, there is plenteous grace. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did superabundantly abound. Oh, what a blessed truth there is here. Where sin, where sin abounded, and 
Surely we look around us today and there is abundance. Sin is abounding and it has abounded from Adam, from the fall of Adam unto the end of time. Sin will abound. But oh, my precious unsaved friend this morning, we take you to the Lord Jesus Christ and point to him and say, He who is sitting at the right hand of God, who hath made reconciliation and made a way back to God, and God is satisfied with that work of Christ on Calvary. And we point to him and say, No matter what your sin may have been, there he says, As sin hath reigned unto death, and he says, The law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace does super abundantly abound. What plenteous grace. Sinner friend, there's grace there for you. And this is one thing in mathematics where you where subtraction is multiplication. The more you draw from the storehouse of God's grace, the more abundantly that grace abounds. And there is grace there for you regardless of what your sin may be. And we urge you this morning, oh, by his matchless grace, would you see this wondrous grace of God, that abundant grace. There we see in the Romans 5.21, he's cast aside all distinctions to save believing Jews and Gentiles. Why, he tells us in the 11th chapter of Romans and in that 32nd verse, in Romans 11 and verse 32, And listen to him, for God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. No Jew will come to Jesus Christ today as a son of Abraham and plead and say, Lord, you better take me. I'm a son of Abraham. I am superior. Oh, but God says no. No, you come as a son of Adam. And so God does not make distinction as such today. In the flesh they are yet Jews, but yet when they come for this eternal life, they do not come as a son of Abraham, but they come as the son of Adam. They sprung from the fallen man, the one that brought sin, death, and destruction into this world. They will come to Jesus Christ now, the one who brought life, eternal life unto each and every one who will believe on him. They go back, I say, to Adam, and he makes of the one body, as we are told in Ephesians 2.16, he makes of them one body, listen to him now, as he says, and that he might reconcile both, that is, Jew and Gentile, unto God, in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Yes, he hath made the one body. One body, not the six or seven hundred that we hear so much today. When I was pastoring churches, uh, I would see the great big ads in the paper. Come and hear Dr. So-and-so. He's coming and he's going to preach uh, tonight on... Who is the church? And you could rest assured whatever sect that it was uh, that he was preaching for, that was the church. That would be the church. 
But here he tells you here, he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. And I care not, beloved, this morning, whatever your church affiliation may be, you are belonging to the same church that I do if you have been saved. For by the grace of God I have been saved. I was baptized by the Spirit into this one body. And if you, not baptized with water, but if you have been baptized by that one Spirit into this one body, you and I belong to the same church. Then we read again in Ephesians 2.15. And there, listen to these. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. And someone has said, oh, what was this enmity in the flesh? Well, if you read on, he tells you. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Now, what was it on the day of Pentecost that Peter preached unto them? Peter preached unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, that is, in order to the remission of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and unto your children and to them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Ah, but listen to this. Having abolished in his flesh the fleshly enmity, the law of commandments contained in ordinances. I was in the setting on an ordaining commission, uh, uh, an ordaining committee in Chicago one time. And they, of course, the one that was doing the questioning said, uh, uh, what are the two ordinances of the church? I said, water baptism and the Lord's table. I said, just a moment. Well, the, the chairman said, right, that's very good. And he said, next to question. And I said, well, just a moment, let's don't hurry over this. Where do we find in the Word of God that these are the two ordinances of the church? And this chairman said, don't let him confuse you. I said, I'm not trying to confuse. I want to know. I want to know the scriptural answer. Ah, beloved, it isn't there. It isn't there. But he tells you distinctly here that he hath abolished in his place the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances to make in himself of two one new man so making peace so the body of christ is the one new man and notice this in that second chapter of ephesians and in the sixth verse and hath raised us that is members of this one body he hath raised us up together now when was christ raised up Ah, he was raised up on that morning of that resurrection. He was raised up. And when God raised up Jesus, he raised us up with him. And then when he ascended, he, we ascended with him. And when he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, he said he made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can you get a better gospel than that? This is that glorious gospel of the mystery. Will you show me one passage of Scripture where in other dispensations than any other gospel that tells you we were raised together with Him and made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus? If you have a better gospel than that, beloved, will you write in and let me know where it is? You'll have to go outside of the Bible to find it, and you don't find a better gospel than that which is presented unto us in the in this Bible. 
If you go outside of the Bible, then I don't want it. I want nothing to do with it because you're fooling with the demon spirits when you go outside of the gospel. I think we have seen, and the world has seen, what a false teaching will do when we see uh, them on the television, a body stacked on top of bodies, there, and they have committed suicide or uh, allegedly have committed suicide, and here they are piled up. This is what a false teaching will do. Oh, that men of God would turn to the message that God has given unto us and turn them unto the gospel of the grace of God which is preached unto the sinner and the gospel of the mystery which establishes men and keeps them from being tossed about with every wind of doctrine. Just think of the precious souls, innocent souls that were followed after this man and now we see the result of it. It ends up in death. The wages of sin is death. And the wages of turning away from the gospel that God has given unto us and the program that God has given unto us in the dispensation of the grace of God. All listen, beloved, turning away from it. And it brings judgment upon them. This is what has happened. And we can see these things. Yes, we are seated in the heavenly places with him. This was never once prophesied since the world began, but was purposed by God before the world began. This mystery was by revelation. Will you turn to that third chapter of Ephesians now? And notice it beginning in the first verse. For this cause. Ah, oh, but what cause? We go back. And to the second chapter, and he ends that, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto unholy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Ah, but this is the precious word, and he said, for this cause. Paul made this mystery known. He told a secret that had not been told, but this called I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He was put in jail for telling this glorious secret. And, beloved, I want to tell you today, if you stick to the Word of God, give Jesus Christ all the praise and the glory, and you preach this message, there are those even in the religious realm would have you put in jail if it were possible. Now, he said, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me toward you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in few words, and I go back to the second chapter of First Corinthians, and there he tells us of that uh, mystery and he, in just a few words that he tells you. Also, the first time the mystery is uh, revealed or the body is revealed, this one body is in the 12th chapter of Romans, and he just spoke in few words. Why didn't he go at length in the book of Corinthians? Because he said to those Corinthians, You're yet carnal. For one said, I am of Apollos, and one of Peter, and one of Paul. Are you not carnal when you're following after men? Ah, but this is the this is what God does not want, is a looking unto men for your blessing, but you look unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say again that this mystery was by revelation to the Apostle Paul. Ephesians and Colossians show the mystery. Now is the subject of making it known. Would you look at the third chapter of Ephesians and in that ninth verse. Now he says, make all men see. 
What is the dispensation of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages hath been hidden in God who created all things by Jesus Christ? And I love the words of that dear old saint of God, Dr. Harry Ironside. I had some correspondence with him when I was just a young pastor in Chicago. And I wrote to him on some of the hard questions and some of the hard passages. And I believe I have on file yet his handwritten letter that he wrote to me and explained some things to me. At that time, I didn't understand, but as I grew older and studied the Word of God more, I saw all how true it was, how true it was. But he says in here, and to make all men see what is the dispensation of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages hath been hidden in God, who created all things by Christ. And, and Dr. Ironside said, if it was hidden in God, you can look in vain in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament Scriptures or the, or the uh, uh, Gospels. You will not find this glorious truth revealed until you come to the Apostle Paul. How true, how true that this dear man of God and how clearly he saw this thing, that this mystery was hidden in God. And being hidden in God, you can look in vain to find it in any of the scriptures until you come to the Apostle Paul. Well, I see that our time is up now for this morning, but we will continue the message now in our next study. We will uh, be speaking to you on this the body of Christ and how we get into it. So until next week at the same time, we say goodbye and God richly bless you.